Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. In a matter of days, a childhood dream becomes reality for Pennsylvania native Michael Shuey. We sat down with the Penn State alum to discuss the roots of his foundation, how the Miracle on Ice movie helped mold the present day, and an incredible story behind the man who predicted Michael's Olympic run back in the seventh grade. Our conversation with Michael Shuey is next. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine, but not this game. Not tonight. Michael, let's jump straight into this thing. So you recently stated in an article that you're getting more and more excited about what this means. What significance does the Olympics have on you? I, I thought a lot about why it doesn't feel like this, you know, monumental like achievement. But I think that that feeling came in 2019. Um, it was after a year of me moving out to the training center out in San Diego. And uh, like I wasn't good enough at that moment to uh, be a professional jab thrower or like, you know, make any team. And uh, the whole season, I was like staying around where I was in college. And then at the USA Championships, I had this like, um, I was leading the competition at 76 meters, uh, which isn't like, you know, that's not a respectable mark in the world, world stage. But uh, in the last round, um, the guy in fifth jumped the third, the guy in fourth jumped the first, the guy in third jumped the first guy in second passed everyone and threw 82 84 and uh so i was in third third place in the last round and um i you know i was happy to be in that moment of like you know i can i can win this right here and like this sports you know movie kind of moment and i threw 82 85 and i beat him by a centimeter and then javelin a centimeter is like i don't even know why we have that unit of measurement because it's usually like such a large gap and, uh, and like that moment was the moment of like, I've, I've achieved, you know, what I dreamed of doing when I was in seventh grade and like, you know, started throwing jab of like, I'm, I made the team. So, um, when, when that moment happened, it was like, uh, that was the moment that I thought I would feel at the Olympic trials when I made the team, but, um, I feel like those moments only come around every so often. And that moment was like, just so emotionally, like um, everything I thought, thought that it would be. Um, so when I think about like making the Tokyo team, it, it's that moment that changed everything. Cause that opened the doors to, I made uh, the U S versus Europe meet where I threw 83 um, and throwing that over in uh, Europe is something that uh, a lot of Americans haven't done before. Um, and uh, made the world team, got the throw over in Qatar. And then because of those opportunities, I hung on to my world ranking and got to be on the, the Olympic team. So uh, I'm going all the way to, to Japan to throw a stick in a competition against people from other countries who also throw sticks. Um, and I love, I love the miracle on ice movie, uh, with the hockey team and Herb Brooks. And it's like, uh, that, 
that description of what the Olympic Games are is like, you know, people that are coming together um, to achieve achieve a dream. Um, and it's it's going to be really it's going to be a neat feeling, although like, you know, the fans not being there and my parents not being able to partake in it, that that stinks a little bit. But, um, you know, that that would just make the, the second Olympic team uh, feel so much better. Herb Brooks, Miracle on Ice, the speech before uh, taking on the Soviets. That's a classic movie. I like that movie. Oh, it for sure is, isn't it? Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Lake Placid can't be a little (laughs) hockey back in the day. Uh, we've heard so much about fans and family members not being able to be in attendance. And you just said it right there that it's going to be different. And it's a little bit of a motivating factor for you to make future Olympic teams. But why will it be significant to you to not have your family and friends in attendance? Yeah. uh, When that, that Miracle on Ice movie came out, my dad was so excited to take us to it. And we went to the movie with him. I think I was probably seven or eight when that movie came out, I think. But uh, the whole time my dad was just telling me like, oh, when when this moment happened, I was sitting on the couch with my mom and I just got home from work and the newscaster came on and spoiled the score before any of us knew it because it was a time difference. And that, and it's so funny that he was like, his dream of going to the Olympics is just as big of a dream as uh, me throwing him one. So uh, for him not to be able to go and, uh, for my family not to be able to support me and be a part of the moment while we're over there. Uh, it's unfortunate, but um, I, they're still with me in this journey and I know that they're having just as much fun. Um, I'm not too worried about them staying in touch with me. <laughs> they call way too much. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard from other Penn state representatives that are going to be at the Olympics about Olympic village. And you reflect back on that miracle on ice movie and, you know, USA team staying in a hotel and obviously all eyes are on that United States flag. So when you go to Olympic village, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, I don't know really what to expect. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to expect. There's a lot of rules that we have to abide by. Um, so hopefully just, uh, stay out of trouble and, uh, and, uh, um, just enjoy being around the team and um it's so neat that that the sport based off of like every track meet that we go to we make friendships with uh people throughout the the country and it's um it's so funny because we'll be like we'll pick up right where we left off with like some of the other throwers and jumpers and sprinters and uh it's so so funny because after the track meet's over i'll be like all right see you in two weeks for the next track meet um so, yeah, it would be cool to, to hang out with everyone and, um, you know, uh, enjoy the moment that everyone's been working for. You mentioned the word enjoy a couple of times. And I think a lot of times as athletes, you get caught up in the X's and O's, right? The daily approach, especially when it comes to this level. You're looking at the Olympics. Yeah. It's the pinnacle of what you do. How do you make sure you still enjoy what you're going through. Yeah. So the whole X's and O's things, like, uh, once you get on, um, a team, uh, or like go to over the Europe, 
you have to throw your whole ritualistic uh, daily routine out the window because it's never going to go exactly how you think it's going to go. So um, to go with the flow with everyone and uh, kind of figure out the ins and outs of being in an Olympic village and trying to get over to the training hall. And um, it's like a, we looked at the map and it's everything's so spread out. It would be really interesting uh, to to get from A to B to C and uh, uh, enjoy the, the in-betweens of that. That map that you look at, do you ever get giddy when you're sitting down and looking at those certain things? Yeah, we're going to Tokyo. That's a densely populated city. I'm real excited about it. Yeah. Are you fulfilling a childhood dream of yours? Yeah. So you don't know this story. Uh, in seventh grade, um, I was on the junior high track team. And uh, I asked my metal shop teacher, Mr. Charney, who was uh, the head track coach. And I was like, hey, can I try the javelin? He's like, no, Mike, uh, you might not be any good. I just stick with what you're doing because I was doing high jump at the time. And I was like, all right. Uh, and then the last the last day of practice, it was like snowing. It was cold. I was like, hey, Mr. Trent, could I try javelin today? And he was like, yeah, uh, grab some and I'll meet you over there. And so I grabbed some javelins and I ran over and I, I started running down the runway and I would throw it. Then I would go grab another one, run down, throw it, uh, not really knowing what to do. He, we didn't do like a lesson before that or whatever. And I looked over at him and I was like, Mr. Trent, how am I doing? He's like, Mike, you could go to the Olympics for this. And I don't. Mr. Charney does not have a background in javelin, but, um, you know, he said that and uh, I was like, oh, all right, like that, that's something I should do. And, um, and fast forward, like uh, two more years, I was in 10th grade and I had just lost to a, a senior on the team and I was all bummed out. I was throwing like a, a hissy fit because I don't like losing at anything. And uh, my brother pushed me up against the wall and I think he punched me in the shoulder and he was like, why are you complaining? Like, you don't practice at this. Like, you don't, you don't do anything that would make it seem like you should win. And I was like, oh. And he was like, you should apologize to the coaches for wasting their time. So I went over and I apologized to the coaches and I was like, uh, I really want to be good at this. Can you guys help me? And they were like, yeah, you know, uh, you shouldn't skip the warmups. You, you should you should research it. You should become a student of it. And uh, I went home and I YouTube javelin throw. And that was the first time I watched a professional jab thrower throw it. And the, the video was just called javelin throw. And it was like a compilation of like all these great guys. It was a grainy video. It was like some European rock song in the background. And uh, the, the first throw was Andreas Thorkilsen from Norway. Um, and at that moment, I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. Like, it's so funny that javelin or track and field in general is like a sport that you can do for two years and not know what it looks like at a professional level. Like everyone that plays basketball or football or baseball have seen a game on TV. But in track and field, it's like you have to you have to find your own your own path. So. Uh, once I did that and I watched it, I, I got obsessed with it and I would watch YouTube videos and then go to practice and like try to mimic what they were doing. Uh, then I would go home, watch more YouTube videos and I just got obsessed. And then I found out that, uh, the information's out there and it's just like, uh, 
it's up for your own interpretation. And it's so fun as I get older um, and I watch YouTube videos that I've watched when I was back in high school and I, I can pick different things out of it now. Or like as I, as I go and have breakthroughs, the, the videos become more in, informative based off of where I am in my career. So I think, I think the, the question that you asked was, when did you, when did you think the Olympic dream could happen? Um, it was in 2010, uh, but in 2008 was also uh, when I found out I was, I guess my coach called it a natural. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack there. That's a heck of a story. So have know, you, isn't it so weird? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So have you had a conversation with your former shop? Oh my God, every time I see him. He, he actually bought tickets to go to Tokyo uh, before COVID happened. Um, and dang, would that it would have been cool um, to have him there. But yeah, Mr. Charney, he was going to go to Tokyo with me and uh, watch me throw in the Olympics. But yeah. That initial conversation when you achieved that his vision, if you will, what was that conversation? You know, they're so modest. Uh, like all my coaches from back home, uh, Mr. Charney and uh, Mr. Brakey, uh, they were just like, oh, we didn't do anything. We just we just watched. Um, but oh, my gosh, they they made it so much fun to, to learn the, the sport and uh, go to practice with them every day. So everything that they did for me, I mean, that's the reason why uh, I probably made it to this to this stage. But um, yeah, he he just he can't believe it. Uh, whenever I try to talk to any of them about like, hey, we made it. And they're they're just like, like, you you did it. Um, but I'll break him out of their shell here pretty soon. So you mentioned earlier, it took you a little bit to kind of figure out that I got to put some work into this to, to be at that level, the level you're yeah. at now, right? What do you think is the biggest misconception of the sport you do? Uh, to rely on other people to get you to where you want to go. Like that's, that, that's a dead end. Most of the time, unless you get into a, like a perfect situation, which never happens either. But yeah, uh, I always just thought that I I'm a good listener, um, but I listen to everyone and I do whatever anybody ever asks. But um, either uh, people don't have the ex same expectations or dreams that you have or... Um, you know, it's not in the, the grand scheme of their knowledge. Not saying that, you know, my eighth grade metal teacher didn't know um, how to make me a professional jab thrower, but he, he said the dream that I should have set that goal for me, but it was up to me to, to figure out how to get there, which I mean, that's how life is. But uh, going through the, the school sports, I wish I would have figured it out for other sports um, as well, but it's a little harder uh, when you're on a team sport to, to figure out how to be the best team sport. But with luckily with javelins, you know, it's on you the entire time to figure out how to be the best that you can be. Um, so yeah, that's the biggest mis misconception is 
um, to let other people's expectations or goals be your own. Um, it should definitely just be all on you. You seem like you have such a, a strong mindset and that's come through probably success and failure. I would assume mostly failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fair failure. to say, but when the failure quote unquote is happening for an athlete such as yourself, that it's a independent moment, right? If you didn't have the perfect throw, what is your mental approach in that situation? Oh, Well, I'm trying to think of a, a certain, a, like a specific time that I screwed up where I was like, oh, this is clear cut of how this, uh, how to get yourself out of it. Um, injuries are one thing, but like failing at a track meet is another thing. Um, injuries, it's very clear to see where you screwed up depending on the injury. Um, like in 2015, I blew out my elbow. Um, but that whole season, we were practicing at 6 a.m. and I was lifting way too much. So I gained 35 pounds of, you know, of weight and was up to 270. And I blew out my elbow and I was, I was like, oh, I should stop that path. Um, but uh, in 2017, at the Big Ten Championships, I was like, I made the competition more emotional and like more than what it was and uh, I was trying way too hard to win and I I, I should have won uh, but I shouldn't have won that day because uh, I was I wasn't in the right headspace um, and after that competition I was like so beat up about how I I lost it for myself just based off of my own mindset and uh, to go into the next track meet was the the first rounds of the NCAA championships, which is exactly like the qualifying rounds for worlds or for the Olympics. You get three throws. It's the top 43 um, uh, competitors on the east side of the Mississippi and uh, the top 12 goes to the NCAA championships. So you get three throws. It's a really highly stressful meet because you have to perform well that day to make the top 12. And the first, the first throw I had was 184 feet which i don't know what it is in meters because it's it's um it's very low um and then the second throw was two 204 so i'm sitting in like 20th and uh it's my senior year it's my fifth year just coming off an elbow surgery i worked um for a year and a half to get back into shape to to do what i wanted to do um i wanted to be a professional javelin thrower uh, but I wasn't doing anything that would show that I, I would make it to that level. Um, so on the last attempt, I was like, you know, screw this. Like, this should be fun. Like, whatever happens, just yell at the end and go slow. And uh, so I, like, trotted down. It was, like, the moment of, like, either you make it or you don't. And I hit the throw, and I won the competition at 243 feet and uh, made it to the NCAA championships. And then after that moment, I was like, I need to just like enjoy the competitions, have fun um, and just relax. And uh, so that made a lot of track meets uh, easier after that point. And then after that, I, I went on to the NCAA championships and I took third 
uh, broke the school record again, and then uh, went to USA Championships, took third, and I broke the school record again. And then the next meet was uh, East Stroudsburg, and uh, and I broke the school record again and uh, threw 79.91, which is like that was that's the school record right now at Penn State, and uh, it it kind of made some things happen for me uh, to show uh, that I could continue after college and not just like, you know, as a hobby. Aside from being a record holder at Penn state, how do you think your time in happy Valley shaped you into the person you are today? Ooh, well, so I got recruited in the Penn state as a Catholic. Um, so that first year, um, I was doing uh, the multi events, which is, uh, you know, sprinting, high jumping, uh, pole vaulting. Um, and we threw jab once or twice. Um, but uh, hmm. to go into that first meet, um, I wanted, I said like an expectation of like, oh, I wanted to throw 66 meters, which is 220. Um, and I remember telling my, the throws coach at the time that, and he was like, Mike, I, I want, I want you to throw like maybe 200. And, uh, and I was like, I'm going to try to win. And he goes, this is college. You're going to get your ass kicked. And I was like, Oh, and then <laughs> on the very first throw, I threw uh, 68 meters and, uh, I threw 230. and he was like, well, no shit. And then that's when, um, the, uh, my jab career happened in college because after that they were like, Hey, you're done with the, the Maltese. Uh, you're just going to focus on this. And it was the, the same thing that kind of happened in college. I mean, in high school where it was like, all right, like you made it to this level now figure out how to get to the next one. And um, there was a lot of piecing stuff together and, um, Luckily, I had more time on my hands than I did in high school. So practice every day for a whole year of trying to figure it out um, and working with my coach and um, bouncing ideas back and, off, back, back and forth off each other. He was coming from a D3 program and uh, never had a jab thrower. So it was fun to, to have, you know, a coach that had ideas as well and, uh, you know, whether or not they were good or bad uh when we talk at track meets now uh it's kind of funny that we make fun of ourselves for having stupid ideas back in the day um but yeah so Penn State was just the same story but a, a different stage of piecing things together and finding your own path um which I mean that's another frustrating thing about um you know, that level of, uh, of sports is, um, you know, you always think that, you know, someone's going to figure it out for you, but that never happens. Um, but yeah, Penn State, uh, it was my dream to go there. Um, my second oldest sister and oldest brother went there. Um, and one did rugby. The other one was in the, the marching band. So it was, uh, it was a school that I was really familiar with and really excited to be a part of like the tradition of, of, uh, the blue and white. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it's a roller coaster of emotions for the most part. <laughs> You've mentioned the word enjoy fun, excitement, challenge. 
the waves of life, right? Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody that is looking up to you on the grandest stage in Tokyo and sees you doing your thing? Well, there's plenty of other athletes that you could look up to. Um, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's not unattainable for anybody to achieve whatever dream that seems too far-fetched. Uh, being from a very small town, um, it's always funny to like, you know, we never thought that you'd be able to do that uh, type talk that I, I hear sometimes is, uh, but I mean, someone had to, like there's there's only so many people that are gonna go after that dream because it, they see they see that it's, it's too unrelatable. Um, and it's it's really not. It's it's so easy if you just figure out how to do it and put the work in and uh, you know keep pushing whether or not you fail multiple times or have some crazy injury. It's it's right there. No one else is gonna take it. So why shouldn't it be you? How about that story from Michael Shuey? Words of inspiration. A guy that just made his childhood dreams become reality. Best of luck to the PA native as he has fun competing at the 2020 Summer Games. For more on Michael and the rest of Penn State's past and present Olympians, visit gopsusports.com.